Welcome back. This is John Mills. This is Josh Mills, and this is another episode of Acquired Tasting. So what are we doing today, Dad? So we're doing whiskey, and what's up with the E? That's right. In today's episode, we're going to have one scotch whiskey, and we're going to have an American whiskey. Uh, the American whiskey we're using today is from a distiller called Michter's. And the scotch whiskey we're having today is Glenlivet. 15-year-old reserve French oak. And like we like we mentioned in the last podcast, uh, if you want to follow along, that's awesome. And you can buy these bottles. These are going to run you a, a pretty penny, but they are good bar staples to have. If you want to get some lower price stuff that's going to be very similar, you can buy the 10 cup American whiskey and you could buy the Lismore 15 scotch as well. We've got some snacks today. We have some smoked salmon. We have some cashews, a little bit of salami, the Edam cheese, and also some some Colby cheese. Wait a minute. We did something last week that our listeners are probably just chomping at the bit to know the answer. Oh, that's right. So what was it, Josh? You had me taste some beer. And I tasted it. It was a straw color. I tasted it, and I kept thinking that it was a farmer's ale because of that straw color, and I got the fruitiness from it, and I really didn't pick up on high alcohol, but... Was I right, Josh, or was I wrong? What happened? I think you might have tricked yourself. I think uh, seeing the straw color and the haziness of it. Uh, That's right. Of, it was hazy. Kind of put your brain in a way, and then as you tasted through it, you kind of made yourself think it. Because what it was is it was a New England-style hazy IPA from one of our local breweries called Lost 40, and it was their Trash Panda Hazy IPA. And I've had trash panda a number of times, but it just didn't, it didn't dawn on me. That's what I was tasting. Yep. And that's the interesting thing about when you blind taste is you have to be very careful that you don't think of something and then make yourself taste what you're thinking. Um, but that was a good first, that was a good first taste, Dad. Uh, well, I'm sure we're going to get better at this as we go. Can't go up, but up. <laughs> That's right. So what's up with the uh, spelling, Josh? Well, so a lot of you, a lot of you listeners may have noticed that uh, whiskey can be spelled two different ra- ways. It can be W-H-I-S-K-E-Y or W-H-I-S-K-Y. So first of all, we're going to talk a little bit about where that comes from and why the difference. So dad, what's, what's up with the spelling? Why is there two, why are there two spellings? Well, the Scots spell it without the E, and the Irish spell it with the E. And the difference of that spelling comes from the translations of the words from the Scottish and the Irish Gaelic forms. So that's a real quick explanation. Now, one would think all of the American whiskeys would have an E, but guess what? I know of one that does not. Which one's that? Maker's Mark. And they are thinking that they are maybe traditional Scots or they're just leaning toward the Scots. I'm not exactly sure why they do that, but that's okay. You can spell it any way you want to, apparently. Well, and I think it it also may have to do with some of the laws that's coming to with alcohol. Most of the time, you can't call anything that's made sparkling wine that's made outside of the champagne region of france you can't call champagne legally except for a couple a couple ones in california because they had been using it and they were grandfathered into law so maybe it has something to do with that as well so an easy way to uh, that i've learned to kind of remember it is if the country of origin or the country where the whiskey is made has an e in its name there's going to be an e in the whiskey So there's technically one, and it can cause some contention amongst uh, Scotch drinkers, that Japan does spell their whiskey without an E. So Japan and Scotland have an E, do not have an E in their country names, and they don't have an E in their whiskeys. And then other places like America, Ireland, all have E's. And they have ease in their whiskey. So it could be, and I don't know about Japan, but I know that there's a difference in distillation process. In Scotland, 
they distill it two times. In Ireland, they distill it three times. So maybe, just maybe, I don't know, the Japanese distill it three times. And we'll talk about... Or two times, excuse me, just like the Scots. We'll talk about that as we're kind of going through. You ready to start tasting? Yeah, I'm ready. So uh, just to touch on glassware, um, we are tasting the whiskeys in a Glencairn glass, uh, which is kind of a traditional scotch glass. And then the American whiskey we also have on a little bit of ice. Um, It's one of my favorite ways to drink American whiskey. Yes, you can do it straight. Um, And that's why we have a little bit of the American whiskey in the Glencairn glass so we can get a smell on it. Let's get into this Michter's American Whiskey. That's right. So we're we're ready, huh? Yeah. So, so what do we do first, Joe? So let's go ahead and go to the Michter's that's in the Glencairn glass. All right. All right. So let's uh, let's give it a smell. Remember, you don't have to put your nose all the way down in it. You can just kind of get close to where you kind of smell best. And this is is so caramely. I get a lot of caramel too. I get a little a uh, little bit of floral. Mm-hmm. There's definitely There's, uh, the alcohol burn. I get some alcohol burn. That's right. So, do you know what the alcohol level on this is? I'd have to double. Ch- I'd have to double check, but I'm gonna guess it's probably around the um, forty, probably forty-five to fifty percent alcohol. Yeah, that's a typical. Yeah, that's. I get good. some like there's car- carameliness. There's like honeyed. Almost like honey roasted nuts and a little bit of like some florality. Like, like I've had some honeys that are made from like orange blossom and it kind of has that floral characteristic. It kind of reminds me of that. If I put my nose down in that nosing glass, I rarely get that alcohol. Yeah. That's why you kind of want to keep it out just a little bit because otherwise you'll burn your nose hairs. Yeah. Let's see what it tastes. Oh, man. Very creamy. Did you notice that? Creamy. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's really nutty. I get the nuttiness. It's really smooth, too. So I haven't I haven't uh, really tasted. I put just a little bit on the tip of my tongue, and that's where mm. I got that, that nutty, creamy taste. So let me get a little bit of a taste now. Yeah, it's, it's really good. So let's talk. I'm going to talk a little bit about the whiskey itself in just a sec. Uh, so what'd you taste, Dad? Look at those legs, Josh. High alcohol. Those are high alcohol legs. They're going all the way down that glass. Mm-hmm. So what, what else you ta- what do you taste? Wow, the nuttiness, the caramel. You know, I, I want to say nutmeg is one of my favorite nut flavors. So I think I'm getting a little nutmeg. I'm not getting... Um, cashews or walnuts or anything like that yeah it's very baking spicy very warming right definitely warming, warming as it goes down that's that alcohol yeah it's a uh, 41 percent. it's 80 83 proof so yeah so this is a great little whiskey um we also have it on ice um because i think it's going to help open up the flavors a little bit as that water kind of goes in there and kind of opens it up a little bit um so like i said this is from a distillery called Mictors. Um, they, uh, do all small batch, um, when it comes to their distillation, a lot of American whiskey makers, uh, use column stills to distill or continuous stills, um, to distill their whiskey and, um, Michter's does as well. And it's really good. It's got some like vanilla-ness on it. See with the ice and the, I'm sure a little bit of the ice melted. So, to our listeners, when you put mm. and you put a little bit of water into a whiskey, it opens it up with flavors. And so I didn't get the vanilla at first, but now with this ice that's melted just a little bit, it's opened up that taste and I get the vanilla and you don't really smell that alcohol like we did in the nosing glass because right. it's a bigger glass. Let me uh, get another little getting a little bit of like kind of fruity characteristic. I'm looking kind of for fruity that characteristics. Too. I'm, so I'm getting a little floral. 
talk a little bit more about the whiskey itself. So American whiskey is one of the types of whiskeys that is made in the United States. There aren't very many regulatory laws when it comes to what can go into it. Um, I know Michter's, since they do small batch and they age it in oak barrels, but these are actually used oak barrels. So Michter's also makes bourbon and rye whiskey. So they take barrels that they've used from, from those and then will actually take the whiskey that <clears throat> this whiskey and put it in there for three years. So, so a bourbon barrel can only be used once for bourbon, yes. but you can reuse it any for anything you want to. Yes. And there, well, I'm going to kind of get to that when I talk a little bit about bourbon. So I kind of like to think of whiskey, you know, kind of whiskeys as an umbrella, um, especially when in America. So we have whiskey, which is a big umbrella term underneath that you have American whiskeys and you have rye whiskeys, you have bourbons, you have, um, and then underneath that, you can go even down to like single malt whiskeys, which are done in the U.S. Um, you know, in the Scotch style, you could do Irish, you know, American Irish whiskey. So there's a lot of the stuff that's going on. Um, this one is going to be um, more of a grain centered whiskey, whereas like bourbon. Bourbon has to be 51% corn. Yeah. Um, and then rye whiskey has to have 51% rye. So in American whiskey, there's no set way that you're doing it. But uh, Michter's talks about theirs, how there is. Theirs uses most a lot of grain as well. And then they don't actually cut it with any neutral spirit. So they never put in any just kind of pure grain alcohol to kind of bump up the alcohol level of it. They're very true to what they do. Isn't that cheating? No, it's actually, it's actually <laughs> it not. It sounds like it's cheating, doesn't it? It's actually it? not. So sometimes you they'll use it to actually to cut down the alcohol, depending on when it comes out. So so what do you what do you think of this, Dad? It's so smooth now with that ice. Mm -hmm. um, I'm getting more of the floral. I got more of the, like you said, the vanilla. Uh that nuttiness seems to have faded mm -hmm. because of the ice or the yeah. water. So I don't know if it's because it's diluted or what. I don't get a souring taste. I get really smooth. And I told, I said before, the creamy. So it's really a good whiskey. Yeah, it is great. And I tried it with the Edam cheese mm -hmm. and it was pretty good. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, whiskeys in and of itself, especially the big B, especially for us in the South bourbon. Bourbon whiskey is a whiskey that was first made in the U.S. It is the staple American liquor. There are a lot of laws when it comes to bourbon. So bourbon has to be 51% corn distilled in the United States. It has to be put into first use charred white American oak barrels. American oak. And then it has to be in those barrels for a minimum of two years. I know there are some companies who brag about how long they keep theirs in barrels, but the minimum for bourbon has to be two years. And then the alcohol content in the bottle has to be 100 proof or under. It can't be over 100 proof. So if it, if when they distill it, it's at 110 115 proof after they take it out of the barrels. And when they bottle it, they have to cut it, which means they usually put in water or a neutral grain, a neutral grain spirit to kind of lower that alcohol content. Okay. And that's it. Please notice. I did not say it has to come from bourbon County, Kentucky. No, that is a, it's made here in Arkansas. And that is a big misconception when it comes to bourbon. It does not have to come from Kentucky. Originally, that's where it started. It started it started in Bourbon County, Kentucky, and they was distributed along along the river out to or all over the United States. If you listeners are living in Little Rock, you may know already that Rocktown Distillery makes bourbon. Uh, if you're not from Little Rock, come to Little Rock and visit Rocktown Distillery, and they'll give you taste of their different wares. They make gin, they make whiskey. Mm-hmm. Or the bourbon and, and other whiskeys. Uh, yeah. And I think they make vodka. That's right. Mm -hmm. yeah. They do some really good flavored vodkas. One of the cool, another cool thing about Rocktown here in 
in Little Rock is it is the first licensed distillery since Prohibition. And it opened in, I think, 2010. That sounds right. Maybe a little bit earlier than that. But there, since Prohibition ended in 2000, I think it was 2010, there had not been a not Prohibition. legal mm-hmm, since Prohibition. They were the first legal distillery since oh, Prohibition. Since Prohibition. Since Prohibition. It didn't end in 2010. No. But just they t- started after, you know, after Prohibition in 2010 making their whiskey. Yeah, but between between those times, there ha- there was not a licensed distillery in Arkansas, which is pretty interesting to me. So we talked about uh, bourbon. You know, bourbon's going to be a little bit sweeter because it is made from at least 51% corn. Um, this you can definitely kind of tell is a, I would guess I'm having a hard time finding it in the research that I did. If I would guess it's probably a weeded whiskey, um, with some, probably a good amount of rye in there for a little so. bit of spiciness yeah. to it. Um, I love rye whiskeys. Rye whiskeys are one of my favorite American styles of whiskey. Now, like I mentioned before, rye whiskeys have to be 51% rye. Uh, the rye grain that they use in their mash, um, before they distill it. Good, yeah. Have you tried any of the snacks with it? Uh, yeah, I had the Colby Jack cheese, which is really good. And I'm about to have some of the salami with it as well. I tried the, uh, I tried those as I didn't try the Kobe yet, but I did try the Edom and the sausage. Uh, I tried these uh, smoked salmon and because the smoked salmon is salty, because that's part of the process I've used it. That is, that is my smoked salmon. I have a smoker and make it myself. It uses salt. When I tasted it with this whiskey, I got just a little bit of overpowering because of that saltiness. Yeah, I can see that. That saltiness uh, took away some of the sweetness of that whiskey. Yeah. And that was a little bit of a disappointment. But, you know, we're just we're learning as we go here, just like you folks that are out there listening. Learn as you go and find out what you like and like it a lot yeah. or like it a little and move on. To me, I just had it with the Edom cheese. It totally kind of just kills the Edom. Yeah. The Edom cheese. Yeah. It just washes over power to it. So any questions about, about the whiskey that I got or any American whiskeys, Dad? No, I really like that one. Oh, there's so many American whiskeys out there. So uh, just a gamut of whiskeys that you can try. One of the great things about American whiskey is it is to me, it is extremely versatile. You know, you can drink it straight, you can drink it on the eye on ice, but it also makes a good foundation for cocktails. That's right. I know bourbon is probably one of the most popular foundations for cocktails or also any other whiskeys. If you go, if you studied any and looked at recipes, you can find definitely whiskey is going to be in a lot of the major cocktails, like in old fashioned, right? Azarac's. A lot of the classic cocktails have whiskey in. And I make those with scotch. I like scotch. I've told you a little bit about um, American whiskey. So, Dad, how does how does this whiskey kind of differ from your scotch? I've got a map here of Scotch whiskey distilleries, and when you look at the different locations of all the scotch. All the scotch, you you will find out that some are salty, some are sweet, some are sour, some are extremely smoky because of the peat. Now, that's one of the things that you find more in a scotch whiskey without an E than what you find with Irish whiskey with an E. It's that peatiness. And there's a full gamut of that peatiness. So talk to me how, you know, we talked about, I talked a little bit about how American whiskeys are made, how they're distilled, what they're made from. What is it like in, when it comes to scotch? So it's made different ways. I mean, they, they do pot distilling if they, if they so choose. I, I went to Scotland and I saw a lot of those big pot distillers and it's just amazing what you can see there. You couldn't take any pictures, but that distilling process is a pot distillery as opposed to what you see for the whiskeys in the United States. So a that pot is, distillery? Are you talking like marijuana pot? No, what do you no. Mean? I mean a big, big copper pot. And, and you know, the, the grain and the water comes in that big pot and it gets boiled at a high temperature 
boiling temperature under pressure. And the size and the shape is, a, is different between Ireland and Scotland. But that's a lot of the way those, those distilleries are done. In Scotland, they use, like I said, they use that peat. And that's completely different than what you find in the United States. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I want to talk about is um, the tasting star. I didn't talk about it for beer, but we'll do that in a future episode. But what you can do when you're tasting, and you could do this with this this whiskey that Josh went through. It's a tasting star, and it goes from creamy to thin, vaporous to viscous. Butter, bittery or salty, heavy or light, and what you end and sweet and and sour, and so what you end up doing, you know, I don't have the visual. We'll put that on the website as well as to how you do that. Um, but you you score those different tastes on this star, and it's like a zero to three, and so you get an interesting shape of of the taste of that particular whiskey. And like you said, we'll be putting a lot of this stuff up on the website as well as our Instagram and Facebook. So I'm looking at my uh, book, uh, February 2nd, 2013. I don't know that it was the first time I tasted Glenlivet 15 year old French oak finish, but it was the first time that I charted it. And the star is, okay guys, it's not really a star but that's the only way you can describe it. And so what it looks like is it looks like a wide shape at the top and points down to creamy because this, because this whiskey is creamy. The one that we're about to taste the Glenlivet. All right. So let's go, let's go ahead and uh, kind of give it a shot. Tasting this one only out of the Glencairn glass, um, which you'll see the picture of the glass set up on Instagram. Oh, wow. This is like, <laughs> I hope I'm not just thinking about the creamy since you just said it, but it smells. It could have been, you know, <laughs> that it kinda, that's what <laughs> happens. You tricked me on the IPA, so I'm not tricking you on this, on this whiskey, but yeah, that's what so, happened. But it kind of reminds me of that smell of heavy cream, yeah. like that kind of When cl- you nose it, clean. did you get as much alcohol? Not, uh, not quite as much. There's a lot more going on. Now it's been sitting a little longer and that could be a difference. Uh, so I'm tilting my glass toward our notebook and what you get is a pale gold color, kind of a light, light gold against that white color wise. That's one of the first things you do. There's not really any like smoke. I'm not getting any kind of smell of smoke on this one. No, I went easy on you today. You know, I didn't pick Beaumont or LaFlorence or any of those smoky ones. Wow. That Did is, you get that creaminess? It is kind of, it does have kind of like a cream, cream kind of mouthfeel, but it's, you know, honeyed and almonds and I want to say brown sugar, mm-hmm. brown sugar. Yeah. Brown sugar is not one of those things you eat very often, but it's there. But if you know it, you know it. Yeah. It's kind of that molassesy. I get a little nut, but it's, it's not cashew. It's maybe all almonds are really light yeah. as a nut. And that's what I get. Yeah. I kind of get that light almond, almondy kind of flavor, some vanilla. Not really as much baking spices on this one. No. As no. And you know, from my wine head is telling me, okay, you know, that means that the barrels are different. There's something about the barrel usage that difference because barrels will uh, impart a lot of that flavor. So that's the interesting thing that I like about this French oak as opposed to American oak. Right. It gets a different flavor. And you know, some some of our some of the whiskeys or or some of the bourbons even, I guess. Uh, we'll put it in two different two different ones, and sometimes they'll use a sherry, a sherry barrel. Yeah, well, it'd be the American whiskeys that'll they'll sometimes use other other barrels. But you know, <laughs> I, let's see here. Mine aged for 
three years and the 15 on there, that's, that's actually how long it's in barrel, right? That's right. So 15 years is going to help kind of, I think some of that oak, oaky flavor is going to kind of mellow after 15 years of, of sitting in it. You know, it'll, it'll permeate very well, but it'll also kind of, kind of really be integrated in, into the, that's into right. the whiskey. And it comes out of the barrel. It's about 60 percent you can get a barrel strength scotch or a barrel strength whiskey be prepared but they're, but they're rare oh they're rare yeah but be prepared you're gonna pay some big dollars for that yeah you can but in like american american whiskey and bourbon you know you can find they call it cast strength that's right that's what it is cast strength um stuff that's usually about one and a half times the cost but it's a little bit more prevalent than I think I would say it is in scotch. So we've taken it, we've taken a taste and it's no water or anything. So if we're going to taste this the right way, what do we need to do next? (laughs) If the listeners could see us or they would have seen both of us put just a little bit of water into our whiskey. Yeah, I put, I, I just dropped in two, two drops. And so why should we do that? And should we do it with all scotches? No, if you, if you want to just drink your <laughs> drink your whiskey natural, that's okay. And and you know, neat is the way you would order it at your bar, and that means they just pour your whiskey into your glass, has no ice whatsoever, and you drink it that way and that's fine. Now, if you add a little water as as I think I said earlier, it opens up or lets the whiskey some people call it blooming okay kind of like a tea like a tea would bloom in water that's right and so let's taste it with a little bit of water and see what we get different so just on the smell i'm getting a lot more like dried fruit i'm getting raisin bread Hmm. you get that any raisins i'm i am kind of getting that dried fruit dried raisin kind of taste and now I'm getting a little bit of cinnamon. Mm. Did you get that? I did get a little bit more of the baking spice on it. Out of the smell. Yeah. Mm. That's really good. It's really good, Dad. Tell me a little bit more about this whiskey. It's the house whiskey. You know that, Josh. The finish. And what we talk about when we say the finish is when you drink it, what happens after you do that swallowing? And the finish is how it tastes, how long it tastes. And so this one doesn't give you, some some of them will give you that real, you know, if it's peaty, you're going to get that smoky peaty finish that just lingers in your mouth for a long time. This one doesn't do that. It has a very nice, it's, it's a somewhat long finish. And I get it in the back of my throat. Did you? Yeah, I did. It kind of, it's still there. And it's going. sort of a, a a drying taste. So it says, gee, my mouth is dry all of a sudden. My palate's dry. Maybe I'll need another swig. <laughs> Keeps you coming back for more. Mm-hmm. So you keep using the word peat. And you're talking about peatiness. Can you kind of explain where that comes from in in whiskeys? And is it? So in Scotland, they call it turf. So when we took our tour, um, not to the distilleries, but we took a tour and they took us out to a site and they're actually digging up what looks like dirt. But they, they take that dirt, which is like a peat moss sort of thing, and they burn it. Oh, it's, it's, uh, ancient and it puts out one heck of a smoky fume as it burns. It gives off heat, uh, in certain parts of Scotland and probably other locations. That's how they heat their house okay. instead of wood. Cause these areas are, are bogs. If you would, okay. these areas are places where they dig that up. And they chop it into like a uh, six by six by six square mm-hmm. or cube, and they put it in their fireplace. Wow. 
So in the scotch making process, when is, when do they use, what do they use it for? What do they burn it for? They burn it to get that smoke infused into that whiskey. So they're burning it so that it gets into the whiskey flavor. Okay. So they're kind of, they're kind of burning it in like after it's made or kind of when it's, when they're kind of drying out the grain a little bit. When it's drying out the grain and then as it's, as, as it's being made, because it infuses down into the actual liquid. Okay, cool. So as I mentioned before, there's, there's quite a few, uh, Uh, the area that we're, we're somewhat talking about is Isla and Isla has, I'm looking at our map again, there are eight different distilleries in Isla. And so you get that real smoky flavor from those Isla locations. So, um, what about this one? Where is it from? This one is from, uh, Speyside, believe it or not, it's not a Highland. Okay. And so Speyside is kind of, what location is it? Is it kind of central, north, east, southwest? There's 108 in Speyside. Okay. So it kind of looks like, you know, Scotland's kind of got it. To me, it kind of has two pieces. It's kind of got like a big, a big bottom part. And then a part that comes in sideways. It kind of looks like it's looking like it's kind of the area where they meet kind of in that kind of corner region, right? kind of in the North central way to describe it, Josh. Thanks for helping. Yeah. Kind of in the North central part of Scotland. Are there kind of, so we talked a lot about how Scotch has different regions that kind of change the flavor, kind of change the flavors, the flavor styles. Um, Are there particular styles that go with particular regions? Like you said, this one's from Speyside. So if our listeners were to pick up a Speyside Scotch, what would that kind of... Well, I think the Speyside and the Highland Scotch are probably what most Americans drink. Okay. You know, it's the, it's the lighter, it's the non-peaty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's going to be not smoky, maybe a little bit. Uh-huh. What about uh, like McAllen or Glenfiddich? Are they Speyside or Highland? McAllen is uh, in... Speyside. Okay. And what was the other one you listed? Glenfiddich. Speyside. Okay. So it sounds like a lot of the the mainstream ones that our listeners may have heard of before, if they're not really into scotch, um, probably come from Speyside. And they're going to be, like you said, like this one is super easy drinking. It's a great step. I think if you're kind of wanting to get into scotches, um, if you're feeling super duper adventurous, pick up something from Isla. Um, if you are not, or if you don't kind of like that taste, um, just pick up something from, ask your local liquor store or go to a bar that you trust and ask them for a pour of scotch from that's from the space side region. Um, Glen Livet, like we're, like we're drinking right now, Glen Fittich, um, are going to be really well-known names as well as Glen Morangi. That's right. Are kind of some well, well, well-known names when it comes to whiskey. And they're all kind of from that space side Highland region, which are going to be kind of, more easygoing it to me it's a good like this is a this would be a good transition for a bourbon drinker because it, it has be. it has a lot of that same Absolutely. kind of sweetness um and it's delicious i mean to me it's, su- it's super yummy it goes really well with the meats that are on the plate um the cheese will probably be pretty good because there's kind of a butteriness whiskey as well so i tried the uh Smoked salmon, but the smoking process I I use has salt to cure that to, to cure, cure the fish. It. So uh, it contrasts contrasts with this scotch as it did with the bourbon. Okay, just kind of brings out a saltiness a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. That's right. Another thing about the Speyside region, and you can see it on the map on our Instagram or our website, Scotland is. You know, it's surrounded by a lot of water and a lot of these distilleries are near the water. So um, there's not actually salt in the water, but it's actually coming from the air, from the air that it's distilled in. Because we haven't really talked about it a whole lot, but we've mentioned how, you know, whiskey is a distilled liquor. Um, When you distill something, alcohol has a lower boiling point than water. So when it comes up, it actually will turn into the steam and the vapor and that vapor goes through the air and it's going to pick up what's in the air and then it's going to, then they cool it back down to, and it reliquifies and that's what becomes the alcohol. So a pot still is probably 
the thing you think of when you think of any type of liquor. If you've ever seen moonshiners, they're using pot stills. That's correct. Column stills are a little bit different or what are called continuous stills because they'll, things kind of go up and down in a big column and it kind of keeps going and keeps distilling itself until the distiller chooses that they're finished with it or a particular number of columns that it's run through. And so that's kind of what we're talking about when it comes to the saltiness and you're like, well, they putting salt in it. No, no, there's actually, there's no salt. Well, like Isla, you know, it's an Island. So there's going to be salt. Yeah. But, but because, because they use the peat to dry, the grain when it's wet um, because you have to get the sugar out of it somehow. And we've kind of touched on it in beer in that malting process. Dad, do you want to talk about um, what single, when it comes to scotches, what single malt and like kind of the difference between a single malt and a blended whiskey? Glenn, Glenn Livet as a single malt, it's not single barrel. It's single malt means that it's, made it that one distillery and not from a single barrel because it's all blended together. So as opposed to a different whiskey blended together into something like Johnny Walker or something like uh, famous grouse. Right. So blended with kind of what to reiterate what he's saying, blended whiskeys are places that will, they may make their own, but a lot of times they'll buy whiskey from other distiller distillers and mix them together to make their own blended whiskey. And the single malt originally and still kind of means from one malting of grain. So you can't use multiple batches that's all coming from the same run, the, the, the distilling run, um, which is kind of what they call the process going from from start to finish of making alcohol, they get called a run a lot of times. So the single malting means it can cut, it only comes from one run of the still. It's not multiple stills. It's just from that one still. That's why you can use that term in other whiskeys. Like there are some here in America that are single malt, single malt American whiskeys, and they may be using a majority of barley, like in scotches that are malted. And then they'll, um, just use that one run. They won't blend barrels together. So if they, they run out of before they fill an entire barrel and they used a different run of whiskey on that, it's no longer a single malt. Thanks for that uh, clarification. Yeah, no problem. So we talked, uh, in the last cast podcast that this whiskey is called the Glenlivet. So what that actually turns out to be, you know, in 1822, it was illegal in Scotland to make whiskey. But even King George IV came to Scotland and he asked for Glenlivet. So they were illegally making whiskey. In 1823, Alexander Gordon pushed an excise act through Parliament to allow the illegal whiskey makers to apply so that they could be legal. So that opened a whole bag of worms, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah, I bet. So they they started operating that Glenlivet as a legal distillery. So this area is of the Glenlivet distillery is an area in Scotland. And there were other distillers that wanted to cash in on the name Glenlivet, whether they were illegal or legal. So they started adding Glenlivet to their name. Even McCallan did it. And so in 1876, Glenn Livett, the official one, asked for a trademark that they received 
and the Glenlivet had been produced. The sink had been producing the single malt whiskey that started it all. So that's that's somewhat of an interesting story. Yeah. From the standpoint that others were trying to use their name to cash in on how well the Glenlivet was making whiskey. And you know, I'm kind of thinking about that now. So it kind of when they trademarked it, they had to use something that wasn't used. So they just added the the because Maca- the McAllen is the same way now. That's right. They have a the in it. And there aren't not every whiskey producer has the the. But I know the Glenlivet and the McAllen. You may feel weird saying that at a bar. But if you just call it Glenlivet or the, today, if you just call it Glenlivet or McAllen, you're going to get what you they, want. They're, they're, <laughs> they'll know what they want. There aren't that, you know, there are other ways well, around in, it now. In Gaelic, Glenlivet. Uh, translated to Valley of the Smooth Flowing One. Oh, that and it fits was most this likely uh, the River Livet, but because it was that loose as the translation, uh-huh. that allowed those other distillers, legal or illegal, to say, well, I'm Glen Livet too. Yeah, because I'm, I'm part of this Valley of the Smooth Flowing One. Yeah, because a Glen, a Glen, if I'm not mistaken, you know, refers to it's a land feature. That's right. So coming from the Gaelic and they just put it with probably, like you said, like the body of water that was running through it. So it's the Valley of the Livet River. That's really cool. Is it time? It's probably time. It's time for the blind. Okay, now I'm going to be blinding this one. Um, to be 100% honest, I have actually never blinded an al- a liquor, a distilled liquor before. So it's going to be interesting. I'm going to be using the WSET or the Wine Education Spirits Trust tasting sheet on liquor. So, Dad, when it comes to blind tasting liquors, what... What should we, what are we trying to get to? Are we just trying to get to the variety and maybe a location? So I poured you one already. First off, is it a bourbon or American whiskey or a Scott or an Irish whiskey? Okay. So you want me to get as specific as I can? I want you to get that specific. Okay. I don't know that you would ever be, I don't know that we'd ever be able to say, well, it's 14 year old or. 15 year old. That's some people that I'm sure, uh, masters of masters of malt will probably be able to do that. Yeah. But okay. So let's, uh, let's bring it on. I'm ready. I'm excited. So like I said, I'm going to be using the wine education spirits, spirit trust. I'll be using the level three, uh, systematic approach to teaching spirits. Um, for those of you, if you are, um, W set trained or W set certified. I am sorry. I will probably butcher the proper way to do this because I've never been trained, but I looked at this and it kind of reminds me of how I've done wine before. Um, so just so you know, um, if you're tasting along, if you kind of following along with our giggles, um, I am tasting this out of a Glencairn glass. I do have some water with me to kind of help me through this process. All right. Are you ready, Dad? I'm ready for you. Okay, so um, this spirit is a, it's very clear. Um, It is a, I'd say a kind of a mild intensity of golden. Yeah. A golden straw. Like I can see straight through it. Um. You know, they're big, fat, slow legs, so it's telling me that it's going to be high alcohol, which I kind of already guessed. So let's go ahead and I'm going to give it a sniff. All right, so what are you smelling? Uh, There's no uh, faults or anything with it. Um, There's kind of some light, uh, kind of a light smokiness on it. There's a lot of honey. Um. And there's some dried, dried fruit I'm kind of getting, um, but it's pretty, I would call this like medium plus intensity. It's not, it's less intense, um, of a f- smell than either of the whiskeys we've had today. Um, it's not as, is it creamy? Well, it's, it, or there's, salty no, there's or... nothing that I'm really getting yet. Um, just on the nose, but it's not cause I'm having a search, you know, it's not like, 
overly pungent like either of the whiskeys we had today that just kind of came out and said pow this is what i smell like um so there's definitely some oaking some oak aging to this like i kind of smell some like a light smoke on it i don't barely get any i don't really get any salinity or any kind of um nuttiness I mean, there's maybe some like slight uh, baking, kind of some baking spices to it. I'm going to give it a taste now. Was that with or without water? Huh. Ah. What oh, happened? There's a lot of alcohol when I, I spit that back out. Um, kind of killed my tongue for a sec, but there is smoke on this. Smoke. There's some light smoke on it. Um, and it's not like charred, like charring smoke, like I expect from some young uh, first use barrel kind of stuff. Uh, and this is also, this is without the water. Okay. Um, but man, I, I know now not to. If you're ever blind tasting liquors, I. Did don't, you just I don't re- down, Josh? I don't really suggest Ooh. to uh, kind of spit it back into a cup like you do wine because it that alcohol can really get your tongue. So the way I tasted it first is just on the tip of my tongue. Okay. Because so, the tip of your tongue and the back of your tongue and even the middle of your tongue have different uh, flavor sensors. Yeah. So... The alcohol is, it is hot. Like even just, even when I drank it, it is, this is intense, intensely alcoholic. So you think it's gas drying? Um, I didn't say that. I just okay, said there's, just a, there's a lot of alcohol on it. It's very hot. Like I'm still feeling the alcohol. Um, smoke is very prevalent still. Um, some kind of caramel, vanilla. Um, not really creamy. Um, I'm not really getting any of that kind of creaminess on it. Um, salty or I'm kind of wanting, I'm kind of wanting some salinity on it. Um, but I'm not positive if it's there yet. Um, it's a very long finish. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to just drop just a touch of water in to kind of open it up or bloom it, um, and give it a smell again. He's doing all the right things. Yeah, so it's definitely the smoke is a little bit more prevalent. Um, there is some like back in salinity on it, like mm. just a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. Okay, there it is. Yeah. There's definitely some salinity on this one. Um, still smoke prevalent, still honey. It's kind of more, it's got some almond, 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 oh God, I can't say that word. It tastes like almonds a little bit. Okay. <laughs> I can't Almony. say Yeah, I can't say that word. <laughs> it's like an enemy for Nemo. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit, a little bit more vanilla going on to it. So definitely this one opens up with water. This one would like really enjoy some water um, to it. Um, a little bit less alcoholic because I just cut it with water. All right. Oh, yeah, I'm making my mouth water now. I really, really like this one, whatever it is. Um, all right. Um, I think I've kind of figured out it's it's a lot more flavorful with with that water in it. This one, oh yeah, definitely like bloomed. I said, it always blooms. It, it yeah, but this it one, this, but not like some of them don't. Like the Glenlivet didn't bloom as much as okay. this one did. This okay. one really right. opened up. Yeah. Um, with some water um it's it's balanced it's it's wonderfully complex and you know this is a very very good whiskey um okay so because of the light smokiness on it that i'm getting as well as that salinity and the higher um alcohol presence I'm going to say 
that this is a mm, I'm going to say that this is a whiskey that comes from Scotland. Um, I'm going to say I'm even going to go a little bit farther. Um, I'm going to say this comes from a coastal distillery. Um, I think it's going to be close to the coast or the sea with that salinity on it. And it's not, I'm going to, I'm going to go even farther. I'm going to say it's not a space side whiskey. Um, I think, I think this is distilled by a distiller called Oban. So I'm going to say this is one of Oban's whiskeys from Scotland. I think they're technically Highlands is their region. And I am not going to guess an age designation on this, but if I had to, if I had to, if I had to say something, I would think this is a kind of a younger whiskey, you know, 10 to 12 years, even if it's age, age, age designated. So, yeah. So Oban whiskey is my, I'm going to, I'm going to throw my hat and just say it's, it's an Oban whiskey from Scotland. There you have it. Yeah, that was good, friends. So come back, come back next week and we'll, um, we'll reveal what the blind was. And, uh, so next week is going to be a wine week. Like we've kind of mentioned before, my dad and my mom really enjoy traveling this next week. They will not be here, um, for, or he will not be here for the podcast and I'll have a special guest, my good friend, Maggie Snyder. She's a local wine professional here in Little Rock, Arkansas, and she has her level three certification for wine and spirits with the Wine Education Spirits Trust. We're going to be doing wines that got us into wine. So we're going to talk about the different wines and pairings that really kind of helped us to catch the wine bug. Maggie is going to be doing a Sauterne from Romier, Romier Lou Lacoste, imported by Kermit Lynch. And she's going to pair that with some pate and some truffled items. It's just going to be great, big umami flavors. I'm going to be doing the Nipizano Reserva Chianti. And for my pairings, there's going to be some Parmesan cheese. There's going to be some prosciutto to Parma, as well as some Pecorino Romano and maybe even some gnocchi in a tomato or a cream sauce. And it should and it should be a, a really good time. I'm, I'm super excited about it. All right. So uh, thanks for tuning in for another episode of Acquired Tastings. Follow us on Instagram at Acquired Tastings, Twitter at Acquired Tasting. Find us on Facebook and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. I'm Josh Mills. And I'm John Mills. And we'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye.